Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're at the Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. The Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter and we are a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Unfortunately, for yet one more week, Jake Anderson, my co-host, is unable to make it uh, this week to record with us. The Bigfoot of the 2019 season rolls on for us, but we, we persevere. Last week, not, I don't think anyone noticed, which is uh, both great and terrible, but I wasn't able to fit a podcast into my schedule. I was able to go on the... Uh, trade addicts podcast uh, and talk with the uh, dynasty outhouse for a while um this week's but unfortunately i i just i just had to miss last week the grind's getting to me um however to make up for it and the fact that my computer died my target share article got late uh, uh, lots of stuff happened this week but essentially what i did is i dug into a stat i tend not to like to calculate because it's actually pretty difficult just to straighten the data up enough to create it um, but I went a little further with it than I've ever gone before. Um, if anyone's familiar, 4 for 4's big metric, its main uh, metric that it creates is adjusted fantasy points allowed. And somewhere this week, in between everything that was going on, I heard someone mention a target share against by position stat. And that interested me, where I'm gathering a lot of target share data to write an article for DLF. Um, the thought struck me, could I adjust target share per position per against each defense by the level of competition they faced? So what I did is uh, exactly that. Like I say, it was, it's not difficult, I'd say, just hard to line the data up. And before I dig into it, I just want to point out one of the reasons I don't like calculating matchup stats is that matchups can disappear awful easy. Um, we never have a big enough sample size in the NFL. Matchup is one of the things that we think works for us because when it does work for us, we remember it. And when it doesn't, we like to forget that and just think of it as variance, which it likely is, but so is the times that it actually works for us. Now, now I, I've kind of uh, dulled all expectations for a matchup stat. I want to tell you something about um, this adjusted target share allowed stat. If anyone's interested in seeing it and seeing all of the data, I posted it on Twitter. It's on my Patreon page, at PA Howdy, um, and it's free. I'm not, it's on Patreon, but you don't have to like know the secret handshake or anything to get it. It's just another place I post data to keep track of it. So uh, check it out there, or check it out in my uh, DLF target share article this week. There's a link to it there, as well as my some uh, breakdown of what target share uh, adjust target share against is. So, what did I do? Basically, what I did is I lined up every team and their opposition um, week by week through the first seven weeks of the NFL season, and I counted and tracked 
all targets to wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends against um, each team, and therefore also for each team, because they're all lined up next to each other. <coughs> what I then did is I calculated uh, the weekly target share for each matchup by wide receiver, running back, and tight end. So, exa for example, Arizona faced Detroit in week one, and 42%, 42 uh Targets went to wide receivers, eight went to running backs, and two went to tight ends. That creates an 80% target share to wide receivers uh, and a 3% share to tight ends in week one. Just that single matchup alone for Arizona. That's the distribution of their targets. Now, the team's average distribution is the next thing I calculated. So, on average, uh, Arizona targets their wide receivers about 65% of the time. The league average is about 58 by the way, so that's like uh, five, six, seven percent over the average for the 2019 season, and they they target their running back about 25 percent of the time, which is about four percent over average, and they target their tight end about nine percent of the time, which is astonishingly, since the other two positions are above average, notably below average. Uh, Arizona just typically doesn't use its tight end, and the league average is about 20 percent, and like I say, they target the they target. Their tight end position about 9% of the time. That's why Charles Clay and, Ricky, um, well, the aforementioned Ricky Seals-Jones, who now uh, plays for Cleveland, um, weren't ever going to get much targets in this offense. It, it's just a heavily wide receiver and slightly running back-centered target share. Um, now, once you break that down week by week, what you can start to do is look at how it changed against each defense. So the idea in matchup stats is that the defense has created a change in the way the offense approached them. And if we can track and adjust that change for the next matchup, we can know something of what the matchup might bring before it happens. That's just the essential concept behind a matchup stat in general. So and the next thing I did was calculate the change in target share for each position um, from that team's average this season when they were facing each offense week by week. So again, go, to go back to Arizona versus Detroit in week one, and it's literally, I'm just using that matchup because it's the one at the top because Arizona is alphabetically at the top in every list you want to sort alphabetically. So in week one, they targeted, like I said, the wide receiver position about 80% of the time, which was 15.7% more than they typically do in the 2019 season. They targeted the running back position 9% less than they typically do um, this season when they faced Detroit. And they targeted the tight end 5% less than they typically do. So the idea is, is if that was happening continuously for every offense that went up against Detroit, if everyone was targeting the wide receiver an exceptionally high amount um, than they typically do versus other offenses or on average, then we could say that wide receivers versus Detroit should get a volume boost. Now, typically matchup stats are all based on efficiency, but we know some of the problems with efficiency, and I thought knowing the volume um, adjusted for schedule might offer some interesting contrast. And so far, I think it has, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Now, once you break down everyone that ver that has gone up against Detroit this season, what we actually find is that on average, teams that have faced Detroit have targeted their wide receiver position 4% above their season average um, while going up against that defense. They've targeted the running back position about 4. 4% less than they do on average, and they target the tight end position about, uh, well, almost exactly 
on average per each team's season average. So I'm not adjusting it by league average, I'm adjusting it by the teams that face Detroit themselves. So the teams going up against the Detroit DST. So that seems to suggest that week one wasn't just a fluke, that Arizona focused its wide receiver's position more heavily in week one, uh, and so has teams sub, uh, since then. In fact, over the last three weeks, that seems to have been a change, actually. Um, Kansas City, Green Bay, and Minnesota all recently faced Detroit, and all of them uh, targeted the wide receiver position either exactly at their season average or below their season average. So there seems to be a slight shift. But I also wanted to try and adjust this based on... Um, how often these teams actually focus the wide receiver positions compared to league average. So the fact that Arizona targeted the wide receivers um, 15% more than they typically do should be adjusted by the fact that Arizona typically leans on their wide receivers in a pass-happy matchup. And therefore, you, you're trying to um, uh, eke out game script uh, based on a high-scoring or low-scoring game for a team that typically targets that position uh, more anyway. And so uh, adjusting for the strength of schedule, I found that Detroit had um, faced teams that target the wide receiver position 1% less than the league average. On average, uh, teams target their wide receivers about 58.5% of the time, and so teams facing Detroit have targeted their wide receivers about 57% of the time, and that's where the 1% difference comes in. Um, teams actually uh, target their running back position on average. Of the teams that Detroit has faced, they tend to focus the running back a little more than league average than they do the wide receiver. So that suggests to me that this trend of wide receivers getting a little extra volume when they face Detroit seems to be true. This, uh, although over the last three weeks, like I say, and again, that's a problem with matchup stats, defenses change throughout the season, and also we just never get a decent enough sample size with the defense in one particular condition to ever say for sure if we can make correct adjustments. It has to adjust as the season goes on, and it has to adjust uh, for the variance of the team that's, that they've actually been facing. And so adjusted target share allowed, like adjusted fantasy points allowed from 4-4, is going to have to use recent matchups and not the entire season. I was just running the numbers on the entire season data set for now, just to get the process down. As I move forward, I'm going to adjust it to a, probably the last four uh, to five weeks instead of using the whole season. But for right now, I've just got it working on the whole season. So, is 4% a lot? Um, or adjusted for the strengths of schedule is 5% a lot compared to other teams. So that's uh, what I did next. I, I dragged all of this data into a separate table and compared it position by position for every defense and which ones were t getting targeted at different positions more heavily adjusted for strengths of schedule based on the teams they faced average target share. Hopefully... Some of that makes sense. So uh, when I pulled all of that into a single table, and, and let's go to the wide receivers since that's what I was talking about for um, uh, Detroit specifically, what I found is the, the best matchup adjusted for the strength of schedule or the, the target share of the teams they faced um, since uh, the start of the season is actually Baltimore. Now, Baltimore has had uh, wide receivers targeted about 71% of the time um, when teams have faced them. Now, Baltimore is also a very high-scoring offense, so it's in a lot of pass-heavy game scripts, and that should be taken into account when reading matchup-type stats. We can't adjust everything out. Having said that, they face teams that target the wide receiver about 4% more than average, on average, 
um, this season so far. And so their adjustment um, has actually been dragged down. Uh, wide receivers have actually been targeted about 8% more than league, uh, than the team average when facing Baltimore. And I actually adjusted that down 4% because the teams they've actually faced target the wide receiver position more heavily anyway. And so to give it the full 8% adjustment would be unfair based on the strengths of schedule that they've had. Now, Baltimore is actually on bye this week, so not very helpful in terms of matchups. So to go to the second um, most uh, volume-friendly defense for wide receivers to face, Buffalo has actually been targeted 68.5% of the time, uh, or wide receivers have been targeted uh, against them that percentage of the time um, this season. Now, again, league average is about 58.5%. 5% of the time, so it's about 10% more uh, on average. Now, the uh, the adjustment uh, for adjusted target share allowed I put in there suggests that teams had actually adjusted their target share to wide receivers this season about 6% extra when facing Buffalo. So again, wide receivers have been targeted 6% more than the team's average um, this season when facing Buffalo. But they've also faced teams that target their wide receivers about 3% more than average. So again, that adjustment gets dragged down by about 50%. So what we find is the adjusted target share allowed says that wide receivers should get targeted on average about 72% of the time when facing Buffalo. This week they're going up against Philadelphia. So uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, maybe J.J. Segal-Whiteside can get a few extra touches. Who knows, maybe we can actually see him do something in the NFL. Now, Philadelphia actually targets the wide receiver position about 49% of the time, which is actually less than league average. Anytime you get an offense with a tight end like Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard in in Philadelphia's case, the wide receiver position tends to suffer from an overall target perspective. Now, as we've talked about with targets when I was looking at, uh, you know, the missing targets myth, that doesn't mean any one particular player loses significant percentage. If you've got a dominant wide receiver, they're still going to get their percentage. But the position as a whole, the ancillary weapons, just aren't going to get as uh, leftover targets or extra targets because there's a tight end sucking up extra volume. Because while targets are earned, there is a limit to how many targets you can earn, or what percentage of targets you can earn at least, because there can only ever be, obviously, 100%. And so a team that has a tight end like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, the wide receiver position tends to suffer. But that doesn't mean that the players on that team, uh, if they're good enough to earn 20 to 21% of the targets, they don't suffer because of Zach Ertz, just the position as a whole. So while that's an interesting stat that Philadelphia only targets its wide receivers 49% of the time, I actually think it's more important that Buffalo seems to be encouraging as far as I can adjust for what the effect defense creates on an offense. It seems to be encouraging targets to the wide receiver over other positions. In fact, if I look at Buffalo as a whole, as a defense, what I find is that while the wide receiver positioning is encouraged to a tune of 72% of the time, um, the tight end position is actually one of the lowest scoring matchups. Um, They're only being targeted 13% of the time while facing Buffalo, and the league average, again, is 20 
The running back position is being targeted 14% of the time, and the league average is 21%. And Buffalo has faced teams this season that have targeted the tight end position 5% less than average, so that actually got a boost and still came up as a fairly poor matchup for tight ends, whereas running backs they faced have actually been targeted about 1.8% more than average, and so they got a boost in the other direction. And yet still, Buffalo remains a poor matchup volume-wise, or as an effect on that position, um, for running backs and tight ends, and instead it seems to be encouraging targets towards the wide receiver position significantly above average, according to the adjustments that I've made. Now, I can talk through every team, but as you can tell, trying to talk through a data set uh, on a podcast, uh, there's a lot of sentences that's hard to keep track of, and I don't want to make you keep going back and fast forward and rewinding, um, and that's why I put all the data out there for free, go take a look at it, ask me about it, or, you know, uh, troll me on it, whatever you want to do, really. Um, but I did want to point out one other example to tell you what target share allowed is. Now, when I looked at the tight end position, I, like probably everyone else, would assume that Arizona would come up as one of the best matchups for tight end, right? Um, because it's been allowing so much volume and so much, um, uh, so many touchdowns to the tight end position this season. But after the adjustments I've made based on the teams they faced and how often those teams had actually targeted the, uh, the tight end position when not facing Arizona, what I found is the Seahawks actually came up as a better matchup volume-wise for tight ends. Now, if I go back over to more traditional or the other stats that I've been tracking and stats that I've seen other people track for that matter, and that's in terms of efficiency, what I find is that Arizona has been giving up uh, receiving touchdowns to the tight end position about 8% over league average. And so uh, I think tight ends going up against Arizona have been benefiting from extreme efficiency um, more than extreme volume compared to teams like Seattle. In fact, it's also been allowing about 38.9% more um, receiving yards uh, to tight ends than league average when looking at efficiency stats. But to switch back to the volume stat, which is what target uh, adjusted target share allowed tries to look at, instead of looking at efficiency, it's looking at the volume. Instead, uh, we find that um, it's actually uh, less giving as, an, uh, as a defense towards the tight end position. So you're relying much more on efficiency up against Arizona, and they've been given that efficiency more often than not this season, but we also know these matchups can fade like they did for, Zach, uh, for Evan Ingram last week, and then it has for volume. In fact, Seattle has also been pretty giving in terms of efficiency to tight ends this season. And so if I, and in weeks where we think Arizona is the matchup for a tight end, if Seattle has a decent tight end facing them, they're actually probably a better matchup. They're giving up similar efficiency stats, and they're giving a decent size volume adjustment to that position so far this season. So this week, they go up against Atlanta, and Austin Hooper is pretty good, and he just lost Mohamed Sanu. Now, I don't think that's going to result in volume boosts. I think Austin Hooper was earning the targets he was capable of earning, based on, what, again, what I've already said about targets. But I do think one or two targets in the red zone specifically 
could be available with the loss of Mohamed Sanu. This season, Mohamed Sanu has actually been the second most targeted player in Atlanta in the red zone. Austin Hooper leads the team with 21.9% of receiving targets inside the 20-yard line. Mohamed Sanu was second with 15.6%. This likely creates other targets, um, not creates, but leaves a space, perhaps, for Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Austin Hooper all to fill a bigger role in the red zone. Not because there are targets left on the floor, but because the team has been fairly effective at getting in the red zone, and those are the players who are already earning those targets. Now, Austin Hooper was already being used to the tune of 21% in the red zone, and with red zone target shares, like I said before, there are so few, even on a heavy offense like this, uh, or an offense that typically gets a lot of opportunities in the red zone. They've had 53 team touches in the red zone this season, which ranks about just just above average, to be honest. And that kind of volume, players getting 21% of the targets are getting significant touches. Uh, Austin Hooper's had about seven targets. But when you're talking about a sample size of seven instead of 100 targets, one or two targets towards Calvin Ridley could flip that depth chart in terms of red zone usage. And that's what I mean about it being a small sample size trap. When it only takes one or two targets to go to another player for you not to be the dominant target share owner in that area of the field, then it's then it's easily changeable from one week to let to another and it's harder to trust some regular target share that's all i'm saying so calvin ridley austin hooper and julio jones as well have all been significantly targeted in the red zone mohammed sanu was in fact just as targeted at 15.6 percent as julio and slightly more than calvin ridley at 12.5 so it's not going to create targets but it does mean these players who are who are earning the red zone targets have one less member to compete for or one less person who could suck up an extra target that was one of the more interesting things i found about uh, adjusted target share allowed that the volume was going to seattle with similar efficiency sets at the tight end position um, it correlates fairly in interesting ways like that with adjusted fantasy points allowed, which seems to uh, be tracking efficiency as well, because fantasy points are uh, more swayed by touchdowns and target share, obviously, is. Uh, and so you can find some interesting little nuggets in there, teams that are encouraging more volume, even though uh, traditional matchup stats looking at efficiency or just overall yards uh, might be able to tell us. At the running back position, unsurprisingly, if you play DFS or you've been playing matchups at all, Cincinnati is by far the most giving in terms of volume to the running back position. Um, it gives uh, 6% more, even after an adjustment, than any other offense in terms of target share um, to the running back position. Tennessee is actually the second most giving in terms of volume to running backs when they face them. They face off against the Rams, who actually target the running back position uh, at a significantly below league average rate. They're only targeting running backs in about 9.7% of the time. Tennessee, on the other hand, are targeting their running backs about 18% of the time. Oh, sorry, it's Tampa Bay facing Tennessee this year, this week, so no one. No, no one in Tampa Bay can catch a running back target, and they're already targeting the position below average. So who else is interesting on this list? New England are actually facing Cleveland. They're the third most giving, and actually almost exactly the same, about 2% less than Tennessee. Um, but Cleveland are giving 29% uh, in of target volume to the running back position, which again is 8% over league average. And that's adjusted by strength of schedule in the ways that I've described. And so we can trust it a little bit more heavily. And um, New England go up against Cleveland this week. Uh, so James White 
if Cleveland are able to put up somewhat more of a fight, perhaps, than they have uh, some weeks this season, um, he could be in for a slightly heavier workload, or maybe you think Sonny Michel can finally pick up a few extra receiving targets. I'm not going to tell you who's going to get them right now. I'm more breaking down the use of the stat. Again, I suck at DFS, dudes. Um, but adjust accordingly, right? Uh, that's target share allowed. I think it could be interesting, or at least another feather to put in the matchup cap, especially where matchups are so fair weather. I think knowing uh, volume adjustments instead of just efficiency adjustments could help out and stabilize um, some of those, uh, some of that apparent random variance when we're looking at matchups week to week. I don't think it's going to do a lot. When I tested it, and I've only done very preliminary testing so far, it helped me predict targets about 3% more than just targets allowed to each position. And again, matchup type stats like target share allowed isn't great compared to looking at player volume. But if we're going to make adjustments, and we have to, because the NFL, you only get one week and one chance to make a decision, I can understand how matchup stats play a role in that and how we do have to look at them and consider them. I think knowing the uh, the volume adjustments as well as the efficiency adjustments inherent in other adjusted um, matchup type stats could be of use. Now, this might have been number four. I asked. I haven't found anyone that was like, oh, yeah, you can, you can find that on 4-4 or whatever. So if it's already out there, great, because I can stop wrestling this data into shape. If not, I'm going to try and track it through the season and see if we can, how much use we can actually get out of it. It is new. I wouldn't make horrendously large decisions based on it just because I can't tell you how useful it is without a decent enough sample size and finding out, you know, how many weeks I should use in my sample because defenses change. Like we already looked at with uh, Detroit over the last three weeks, the wide receiver position has been targeted less. And despite the level of competition targeting the wide receiver seeming to be remain relatively consistent this season. So, again, we, you do have to look at it closely like any matchup stat, um, and adjust accordingly. I, th I hope it can be an interesting piece of information uh, to add to your process while making start, sit, or DFS decisions this season. All right. Thanks for checking out the podcast this week. Sorry it's just me talking about a statistic. I know that's probably not great for some of you, but that's what I've got this week, and I did want to make sure I kept up with my schedule. So thanks for coming to the Crossroads. Um, hope to see you again next week. I promise I'll get someone on here again to tell me why I'm wrong about some particular player, and we can break down one player at a time, as we traditionally do. But until then, I will have to sign off, and I'll see you next week. Thanks again. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. Jake got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. 
Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete and Numo, it's the place they're analytical.